Welcome to the Paragold Podcast. This is Jerry Pitney, and today I'm joined by Joe Wessel. Joe, thanks so much for coming on. Glad to be here. Uh, there's, when I think about Paragold and people who have contributed to our city, um, your name, your face definitely comes to mind. I've never had a chance to actually sit down and have a conversation with you. I'm sure maybe I've exchanged a hi or whatever here and there when I've seen you, but um, you're someone who I've just, I, I guess I've, I've known for for years and years and years. I mean, it just seems like I've, I've you know, gone different places and I see your face or I'll hear your name. And um, I know you've had, a, you've contributed a lot to our city in different ways. So we're so glad to have you on. I think where I'd like to start is just to learn more about your story. Um, I just found out that you were born in Paragould. I did not know that. And a few years before me, 1941, is that correct? That's correct. So tell me a little bit about just what it was like for you growing up in Paragould. Well, I, I just I can remember growing up in Paragould basically just, you know, as, he, as a child, that's what I can remember, you know, we just played outside all the time, ball games, sandlot, baseball, football, uh, go to the movies on Saturday. Where were the movies at then? Western. I always had a Western on Saturday afternoon at the Capitol then. It's Collins now. Okay. And then they had a, a serial that followed that every week. Okay. And uh, But there were two theaters in town. There was one down on Pruitt Street. Uh, if you go down the alley behind the Collins and you go straight into Pruitt, that was the Majestic Theater, and it was owned by the Collins family also. Really? Which right. one was uh, the nicer building, I'm guessing? Was it the Collins? Uh, the Collins, yeah. Okay. We didn't, we didn't go in the Majestic much because a lot of times there were pretty rough crowds. It's <laughs> <laughs> a different demographic. Yeah, yeah. You didn't want to go get into any trouble over there. And so where did you live at? What part I lived on Highland Street. On Highland Street. Yeah, well, I, my home when I was born – uh, on Court Street, you know where the uh, that used to be the administration office uh, up there on the corner. That's right. Yeah. And uh, yeah. uh, Caddy Corner from that little white house is still there. That's that's where I lived my first couple of years. Okay. When I was born, then we moved on Highland Street. Uh, at uh, well, the address. The only thing I remember is three fourteen. It and uh, so I lived there. Uh, and after my mother died, we went ahead and sold the house in uh, around 206, 207. Okay. I forgot that used to be the administration building there. You're talking about on the corner, kind of right across from where the old Paragold High School slash eventually junior high was, correct? Yeah, when I was in school, it was uh, Massey's. We call it Massey's Mewborn's a little grocery store. And the kids hang out there, and they go over there at lunch every day. And eat sandwiches and stuff, and that's where the kids hang out. Or it's where, they, or, or in high school, they'd sneak across the street during class, and Mr. Merriweather would have to go there and get them. Mr. Merriweather, is that the same Merriweather who was responsible for quite a bit of work and movement in our city, or different Merriweather? There's, his dad was a lot of responsible for that. Okay. And Mr. Merriweather was primarily involved in education. Okay. And he was my principal in high school, then he went to Hendricks. For Dean of Men there, and then lit until he retired there. And okay, so did you go to Paragold High School right there on the corner of uh, I guess Seventh yeah. and Court? Yeah, from seventh grade on. From yeah. seventh grade on. Um, anyone who's listened to this podcast for a while, they know that's a that's my favorite building in Paragold history. I never actually set foot in it, but the house that I live in now, 
the brick that goes around the bottom of it is from that building. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so when you walk into our house and our foyer, we have a big framed picture of that building. I'm curious, what was that like for you um, going to school at Perigold High School, 7th through 12th grade there in that, that building? Oh, it was, it was great. You know, you didn't have air conditioning then. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it just raised the windows, and, you know, it was always a good breeze through there. Uh, but it was, it was a good place to go to school. You know, you, at lunch, you could go to the cafeteria, which was over at Woodrow Wilson. They didn't have a cafeteria in the high school then. You had a gym, but no cafeteria, right? We had, a, had an old gym behind there, and they, then you had an ag building. That later, when I was teaching, became a, a, a band room. Okay, so you used to teach? I taught. When I got out of college, I taught and coached at Paragool for three years. I did not know that. Yeah, I went. My, my wife went for the interview because she had a degree in history and a librarian, and they wanted her to teach math. And math was not her subject. So Mr. Roberts asked me, he said, what about you? I said, well, I got a minor in it. And so he said, would you want the job? And I said, well, how much is paying it? And, and I was working for my dad then just one year. And I what said, did your dad do? He had a wholesale grocer and uh, LK Ashcraft Company, which was a Purina feed business on, Main, on Pruitt Street. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And that was more than my dad was paying me, so I took the job. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe they'd been a little easier on you than dad, I guess. Yeah. And uh, but I, I loved it. I loved to teach. What grade did you teach? Uh, seventh grade math. Seventh grade math. Yeah. And that was what year? Sixty five through sixty eight. Sixty five through sixty eight. And man. see, all these guys are now getting close to seventy because I was just twenty stuff, <laughs> and uh, they, those kids were twelve, thirteen years old. You seemed like you were so much older than them. Oh yeah, they the time, thought right? I was, man. You know, they thought I was an old man at twenty two, twenty three. <laughs> now there's not much difference, is there? No, no. Uh, so what did you coach? I coached football, but mainly track. So track's been a passion for years, I'm guessing, for a while, right? Yes. So how did you, did you were you running track in school? Did Perry even have a track I, team? I tried to run track in high school. I wasn't fast enough, but I, I loved it. And then my freshman year, I went to Hendricks College, and I went out. <laughs> they put me on 800, and I, I just said, I'm not an 800. So I transferred over to UCA or Arkansas State Teachers College when I was there. And so I had to lay out a year. And then I went out, and, and we had a coach there that saw, took an interest in me, made a sprinter out of me. So and wait a minute. You said you weren't fast enough to run in high school? No. But you were able to run in college? How'd that, how'd that happen? Just technique, teaching me and, and how to run better and training and how to start. And uh, we uh, – we were, I was on three years of the conference championships every year on relays and sprints. Wow. And so then I ran the fastest 100. That, now, we ran the 100-yard dash in, not the 100 meters, which is 110 yards they run today. Yes. I just ran my first 100-meter dash. Mm. We, we, we had a, comp, a friendly competition among people here in our church, and we did a uh, four-by-100-meter four by relay yeah. race. We didn't have the artificial tracks. We we ran on one at Memphis one time when I was in college, the first one, but it's nothing like the. What did you run your 100-yard in? My final one I ever ran, I broke 10. I ran 99. Jeez. How is that, Paul? I know you just said technique and practice. Like, So help me understand that. Like, I've never really considered myself to be a fast person, but – because I just assume either you have it or you don't have it, right? Like either you're born, you're either born fast or you're not. And so, 
there's, I guess, some truth to that, but there's also a way to clearly, like, improve. Well, so, he, like I said, he worked every day with us on the, with the gun and with starting, and uh, we do a lot of 20-yard sprints. And tr- the technique of staying low, you know, for that 20 meters or 20 yards. And uh, it, I don't know, I just got more confidence in it. And uh, in the off season, we didn't have weights and stuff, but we had a kind of a hill beside the gymnasium as a street, and it just gradually go down up. But he had you run up the hill one day. And run down the hill. If you've ever run down the hill full speed, you've got to keep your legs moving faster or you'll fall flat on your face. So he taught us how to stretch or stride and run faster. Man, I need you to coach me. Nothing and the I'm... other thing he taught us was most time when you see sprinters or you start, and a lot of times when they come out of the blocks, they're coming out both feet outside. But he taught us, he put the blocks on the line. And when we come out one foot in front of the other, which is the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And I mean, it's just little things like that. He was way ahead of his time at Todd's. Wow. Things like it's that. It's the little things that make a big difference, right? Mm-hmm. You continue, and we'll jump all over in this conversation. I want to come back to some of your, you know, growing up in Paragold and all that if we get time to. But you uh, continued to run for a lot of your life. And we were talking, uh, was we were taking pictures a while ago that you and Bill Fisher, who's a mutual friend, that y'all ran for 30 years together. Mm-hmm. Uh, were y'all just like recreationally, like just going out and running a mile here and there? What were y'all no, doing? we ran three, basically three miles every morning. He'd come to my house and uh, about 5, 5.15, and we'd, we'd run for three, three miles. Three miles. What do you like so much about running? I don't know. I, I hated distance running when I was in college, but it's just a different mindset. And when you're running – and we had pretty good paces. We ran in Sundale for years, so that's where I lived for about ten years. And uh, you could run that circle, and it was almost a, it's almost a mile around, like eight tenths of a mile. But uh, we just set our pace and go when we do try to time ourselves and try to get our times in the eighteens, nineteens, on and uh, and a three mile and w- where we could talk. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> What advice do you have? Because, honestly, a lot of the people that I respect, that I look at that are um, like you, like Bill Fisher, that I would look at and say, you know, relatively good health. I mean, I look at you, you seem like you're healthy, you seem like you're still strong, especially for 80. Uh, one of the things that these men and these women have in common is they were runners. Now, I don't know how, how good your knees are. but Well, I had to quit running because I had a, my knees started hurting, but it was just – they're bone to bone, but I I took this BioFlex, let's get at Walmart, and I took it, and it never bothered me again. So I walk, but the doctor told me I said, "What well, can I run?" After he cleaned my knee out, and I said, "He said, yeah, but if it ever starts hurting, you have to have a knee replacement." But I've never had another problem with my knees. So, what advice would you give to those? Because I I do run. Um, I wouldn't call myself a runner, but I run because I try to be healthy. What advice would you give to kind of the the casual runner out there, we're not necessarily going to go run a race. Maybe we will, maybe we won't, right? But just is there anything as far as technique goes, mindset goes, anything that you've learned over the years that would help someone like me who just wants to stay healthy, wants to keep running? And if I can win a race along the way, great. But yeah. well, the main thing is have good shoes. Now, when I was in college, we didn't have any of the shoes like they have today, you know. And uh, then uh, – 
just you know stretch and get loosen up good before you start out and uh just it's it's easier to run with somebody than run by yourself it was for me yeah and and that knowing bill was going to be there every morning i knew i had to you get had up. to get up right. <laughs> yeah so you eventually you go through Paragold, uh, you graduate, you go to UCA, you come out, you're teaching. Uh, catch us up from there because you transitioned out of teaching into what? I went to work for Roston Purina Company, which was my dad was a dealership, and uh, I worked for them for ten years as a district salesman in, in, in Northeast Arkansas. And but during that time, uh. I had a roommate in college named Guy Cottrell. Guy was a track coach at eight, was at ASU. He started in Pine Bluff, and we were in track together. Guy was a baseball player, but when we had to have somebody run the distance medley, he'd come over and run the quarter. Wasn't a very big guy, but he could click off a 48 every time. Wow. <laughs> and uh, Guy and I became real good friends. And uh, so, and, and my wife and Guy's wife were roommates in college, so we both married uh, uh, each other's roommates. <laughs> and if I said that right, and uh, so Guy, in starting, he asked me to come down and start some meets at Pine Bluff when he was down there, and I did that. And then I started doing high school meets. I drive to Little Rock every weekend to Scott Field down there and start high school meets. I mean, you say start them. You're talking about like you're the guy with the gun? The guy with the gun. Is that what, – what is that? I don't even know. Like are they just shooting off a little – No. I used a thirty two. Okay. I used a real gun. Okay. And the reason I would use a real gun, most gun starters – in high school now they've changed and you got to use the plug gun. Okay. When you fire a plug gun with, you know, with blanks, that fire scatters and you can have more holes in your shirts – especially indoor season and track at like Arkansas, you got red blazers and all that. You can burn holes all over. So we went to a, I, I was, I did a NAIA meet with a guy in 1987 at Russellville, Arkansas. He was from uh, Eugene, Oregon and the two starters came from there and they selected two from Arkansas. And that's where I got the idea of a real gun because all the sound goes out the top and not next to your ear. And, uh, uh, I learned some good techniques from him, and uh, so that's where I learned to use that real gun then. When you say you learned some good techniques from him, like in my mind, I'm just like, you pull a gun out, and then they say, time, you shoot it. There's more to it than that. Well, yeah, in in in, in college, you uh, those guys are, they're, when you get an SEC, they're, they're studs, they're pros. And, and Arkansas is phenomenal, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. every year. Yeah, we just got through doing the conference two weeks ago in, at, at Ole Miss. We were selected to do that. And then we did the NCAA regionals at Arkansas last week. Uh, they have two regions. They take the top 48 schools from the west side of the river and the Mississippi and then the 48 best performances on the east side. And so we did the West Side, and the 48 top athletes that had the qualifying times, uh, like had 48 shot putters, you, you know, or disc, or 48 in the hundred, and we we eliminated them down to the top 24. And they did the same thing in the other half, which was at Indianapolis. And so this this next week, 
to be in Eugene, Oregon for the finals to, to pick. And we had some world-class times up there. It's just unbelievable. So talk me through what it's like to start a race. So you, you get to the field. Like, walk me through what happens, like, from your perspective. Okay, right? usually on uh, in college, we have my son-in-law, Kevin, helps me now. He's done it for 20-something years, but he didn't help me to Arkansas. He just came out of Arkansas two years ago when my partner of 32 years decided to retire on me. And uh, so I usually start the men, Kevin starts the women, but we back each other up. I'm on, If I'm on the uh, the inside of the track, or we usually are, the backup starters directly across from me. So when we look at the runners, if we've got nine runners or eight runners, I try to take the four, the farthest away from me, or five, and he takes it. But I, if anybody falls starts, I can see them out of the corner of my eyes. So you're looking at that. You're not just firing a gun. You're looking oh, at Oh, yeah. I, it's our responsibility that nobody gets out of those blocks. Okay. Yeah. So you're a referee in some ways. Yeah, it's our call. Once they turn the athletes over to us, you know, we we got the final say so. Wow. And so you're so, getting up there. Do you? How do you know when you're going to fire the gun? Well, basically, I, I'm different. A lot of starters, basically, on the hundred and and the hundred and ten meter hurdles and the hundred, in the same way in the ladies, uh, I go talk to the runners in each heat. I say, basically, guys, three commands on your mark, set. And when I say set, I want everybody to come up quickly. I don't want this dragging it up because we have found a pass that some drag it up and it's real slow and they're trying to get the, at the, get to the top. They think that's when the gun's going to fire. And if they're still coming up and we fire that gun, that's false start. You've got to be still. And they've got real good with us. And, and, uh, and so I just basically tell them to concentrate on the gun. And so – and Kevin and I use uh, different words. When it's men, I say gentlemen on your mark. Kevin says ladies on your mark. Just a little more professionalism with those athletes, and they've learned to appreciate it. I was at the SEC conference uh, two weeks ago, and we had some time, and I walked in this room. I walked out of the room where we were, and, this athlete kept looking at me. He said, you don't remember me. And I said, I probably started you. He said, yeah, 1991. Then they had a gathering of former athletes, and four or five came up, told me they remember the year I started them, 93, 94, 206. So yeah, I can remember faces, but names, I can remember so many. <laughs> That's about like but, me. Uh, but see, all the time it's electronically. They hang a deal on my finger which activates the clock when I fire the gun wow and, and it activates the camera because the camera catches everything wow. it crosses the two cameras when they cross that finish line they can be all together and that camera just pick all eight places just like that and post it on the board but now on those big meets in the NCAA they use what they call electronic blocks the blocks are sensors on them and when they come up it we can have a false start without us seeing the kid actually do it because if they put too much pressure on those blocks as the gun is fired, that's a false start. And they have to go over to a monitor there, and the guy would show us which lane does that. Wow. But uh, when you get to that level, is are, are pretty much all the athletes 
the same as far as talent? Yeah, you know, this depends. You know, Division One is usually stronger. You, you know, you got the fastest kids. And you have so many kids that are foreigners now, you know, from other countries that run in, in the United States and SEC. But the SEC is probably the most powerful track and, and field. What separates from your experience the 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 best of the best? Like what what is it? Is it is it mindset? Is it technique? What is it? Mindset and just you know how a kid when I say set when they get up trying to just focus on that gun. I mean this I mean this they hear any sound. I mean somebody clapped their hand and they come out, we gotta we we can't give them a false start. We call them back and we ask the stands to get quiet. But they just learn with motion. Uh I know a kid from Oregon up Arkansas last week won the second fastest ever in the hundred meters. Uh uh not at was well, in the world this time, of it, but running nine point eight three. That was the second fastest in the world at that time. At that time, this year. Oh. Wow, is that one of your best memories to get to witness that? No, I've I've got to start some athletes that were Olympia. I, one year I was watching the Olympics, and I think in one race I counted eight in that race that I had started. You know, they're from different countries or, or different Jeez. states. Who's the best runner you've ever? Been able to uh, watch run in person. Oh me, I guess uh, this kid from South Carolina, Terrell Lawrence Terrell. He was a hurdler in a hundred meters, and uh, he ran on the Olympic team, and I think he won the hurdles. But he can run back to back those two races and win. But he was just such a good kid. Very mm-hmm. polite kid, mm-hmm. good manners, and you just remember kids like that, mm-hmm. and always pleasant to speak to, and and uh, uh, you know, just a lot of those kids you you get to know, you know, especially when we start. We we start. I start all of Arkansas, and Kevin helps me now. But if we have a net meet at Ole Miss, I'll send Kevin to Ole Miss, and he'll and I'll pick up another starter to help me up up there. Mm. And we used to do – we did Alabama for 20 years, and uh, we did Mississippi State. But we've done, I don't know, 15, 16, 18 conference meets over the years. Wow. And uh, But it's uh, – when I feel – when I get the 100 and the hurdles are with, I feel like my day's complete. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the pressure. I get as nervous as they do. Really? Because everybody can see it. You know, you got big boards up yes. there, and they can see any movement. Just like the other day, they this guy, coach thought we let a girl get out in the hundred, and uh, we didn't do it. So afterwards, he said, "You you let her get out." And we went over there and looked at the blocks. You know where they had the pressure blocks. Her blocks never moved. I mean, uh, their point. So I said, Coach, it shows no false start. She just got a good start. Wow. She just exploded when she came out of those blocks. Wow. I want to uh, shift gears for a second. You know, usually when you think of someone who's very involved in, in sports, they're not typically involved in the arts. That's a stereotype, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, but you've been very involved in both, um, specifically around just the Collins Theater, the yeah. innovation of that and, and just everything that kind of goes with it. 
I'd like to hear more about that. How did you get involved with the college? How did that become a passion of yours? And what exactly have you contributed to that over the years to help it get to where it is today? Well, I, I was asked to be on the, the Collins, Collins family closed the theater in 1987, and they gave the theater to the Fine Arts Council. They could not make a goal of it. it was, it's, it's hard, you know. You got, Couldn't make any money. Yeah, because you got to make you got to have something going on just about every weekend, plus donations and contributions, and so we formed the Collins Theater, Collins Theater Foundation, uh, in 1993, I think it was, and uh, they asked me to be on the board, and so that's the way I got involved, and I was just kind of a board member. I never did a whole lot. I didn't feel like I did. Uh, until, uh, and we did a lot of remodeling, new heat and air and all that stuff, got some major grants and stuff like that. And so uh, I'm trying to remember when my daughter, granddaughter Chandler was 12, she got the, uh, so 12, uh, we're doing 15, that was 18 years ago. Uh, she got the role of Annie in the play. And so I started getting involved in the theater. I went over to the Orpheum in Memphis and saw how nice it was. And so I came back and told him I want to repaint that theater. So I got David Dudley, who worked at the bank with me. And uh, he did all the rolling. I did all the cutting and spraying to go. We sprayed all that and did all that. It took us about three months to do it. Wow. And uh, then I got money given to us, put new carpet in, and just we formed what was called Friends of the Collins. And every year we asked for donations at different levels, and they've been real good to help us over the years. And then uh, uh, so we've been able to do a, a lot of theater. The theater itself is just about done. We've got some water damage we had that we're on that go that goes around the walls on two on the west side and we've been tr- trying to get it for six months because that water got into that goal and see that goal all that goal was made out of paper mm. and so you couldn't we but we found something here about a, two weeks ago they can make it they can do it with li- out some type of light 3d and make it for us out of pcb pipe and so ricky nunn is involved in that and so once we get that one fixed we just put new carpet down again uh, back in december uh, we've redone the dressing rooms and so the collins is just about done so we're working on the building next door now we were fortunate to get the becquerel buildings both of them i didn't know that yeah we bought uh gary made us a deal that <laughs> we couldn't refuse and uh what are you going to do with those buildings? Well, Michelle and her mom are staying in the other, the tall one. There's an apartment upstairs. Eventually, we're going to renovate and rent it out. People want it. Downtown apartments are getting real popular. Yeah. Uh, but we're trying to fix up, and they named that building after me. I wish they, I didn't have a clue they were going to do that. Uh, we're going to make it where we got a at overflow crowds, like on the Holy Show, we don't have there enough restrooms. People are building additional restrooms. Uh, We're going to have places where people can meet 
uh, if they want to rent, have a meeting place, That's just great. put in a place they can cater. We're not putting a stove in. And uh, we have, we've had several weddings. In fact, my granddaughter was married in the Collins. And uh, we've had several weddings. That, but with, with this, like if, they, if it's not a real big wedding, they can have their reception or rehearsal dinner. In That's there. great. So we're going to open it up to wait for meetings and stuff like that. But it, uh, Gary just didn't want somebody to buy it and turn it into a flea market or something Absolutely. like that. And Absolutely. so uh, we're, we, st- we thought we'd have it finished by now. What? It took us three months to get a plumbing permit out of the state of Arkansas. Wow. And so we were hoping to have it ready by the time the Bluegrass Festival comes around. But I don't yeah, think when we're is the Bluegrass Festival? July. I was hoping to have it done for my only show the week before. Yeah. and uh, But I don't think we're going to make it. And plus, it's just hard labor right now. It's hard. Some of the people that are putting, doing some of the work, they can't get any people to work. So they're, they're, they're stretched. So, you know, we can't get them in there like we want them to. So it's just been a... But if we hadn't had to wait for three months for that building, uh, that plumbing permit, we, 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 I think we would have had it finished. Well, that's exciting. I mean, I'm right here in downtown, and I didn't even know about that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's encouraging to see the developments in downtown Pearland. Yeah. And so it's heading in the right direction for sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Why do you think that um, – I know your wife uh, helped with, like, you know, directing the gift shop in the hospital, has volunteered time there. You clearly have volunteered a lot of time through Collins and other activities in our city. Why is that? You know, it's, that's, that's not normative. Unfortunately, why have y'all cared so much and not just cared, but cared enough to actually put some skin in the game? Well, when I went to work in banking in 1980, Marlon Jackson Security Bank, that was one of the things he said we had to do no matter what area of the bank we're in, we had to get involved in the community. Mm -hmm. And so that got me started getting involved in all committees and doing the community fund, United Way, which is... It was the United Way, then the Community Fund, and Mike Gasco and I have done, did that for 25 years. We call on industry for that, and uh, we had a lot of fun, but we were able to raise a lot of money through industry and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. and I just have been involved in just other committees, but I'm going I'm to let some of these younger guys <laughs> take it <to> now. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but that's, that was the thing. We had a lot of people today back then that really got involved in the community and and stuff and i i don't know if this younger generation is there yet or not but they need to be if they're not yeah and it takes time you know it's going to take time it's going to take time away from your home and uh there's so many activities now people are so busy yeah with travel and sports well we had kevin was a coach and then you know, we go to all ball games, and both of his daughters played ball, and they're both coaches now. Yeah, and so we I go. Guess it's we a go down. To, right? We go down to cabinet when basketball starts because Carson's coaching down there with Jay Cook as his assistant, and then Chandler's coaching volleyball. So we just stay in, still stay in the gym. Still now we've got two great grandkids, and if I, I don't know if I'll be around then or not, but I guarantee <laughs> you they're going to play sports. They're not going to have a chance. <laughs> yeah, and so. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I really got involved in the theater, and I spent a lot of time up there, and I still do a lot of stuff. But I enjoy doing it. But it, I got to make it. I, I know my wife suffered a lot because when I get I get going on something, I can't quit till I get it finished. Determined. 
but uh, it. Uh, but she's been a good supporter of all this over the years, and and all the track mates and stuff when we're gone. But we got we take them a lot to those mates. They're the big mates, you know. They, they go shopping and stuff. They don't necessarily go to the mates, <laughs> and. Uh, but well, at least we get to spend some time together because, I mean, last we didn't get to the last week because we were four days down at Ole Miss, then we were five days at Arkansas last week. So those were long meets because everything's broken out. You don't do everything in one day. Yeah, that would be long. You've been here since 1941. I'm, I'm curious, um, how has Paragould changed um, in your time that you've been alive? And I, I'm – I'm asking that question because I'm curious um, maybe what has changed for the better, but then also, like, what are some things that you would like us to kind of go back and recapture or to not lose, if that makes sense? Well, the thing I observed, uh, and I observed it more when uh, Chamber of Commerce was, when Joe Higgins first came here, and then he really got things going. And then Mike, as mayor, it just seems like everything got, and they started this leadership paragool, and you got so many people involved in things. And we created, it didn't say we, but it just created a lot of new opportunities for people to stay at home and paragool instead of moving off somewhere. And uh, I, I think that was one thing that I saw uh, people were staying here instead of moving off. And Pergo, uh, it's always been around in the top five fastest growing in the state, you know. And uh, and it's a good place to live. It's a good place to raise your family. Yeah, 100%. Anything that you would like to see us make sure that we work hard to maintain or maybe even go back to as you've been here for so long? Well, I, I mean, I, I hate to see old structures that, that to be torn down. I, I, I think of the old depot that was down here at the end of Pruitt Street. Yep. Uh, that could have been made into such a nice restaurant. And then the old Vanderbilt Hotel yes. where First National Bank was. Yes. I mean, that was all that all that marble. I mean, it was just, it could have been a bed and breakfast. Why were those things tore down? It's progress. And, you know, they just kind of get run down and... Nobody has the vision to take care of it. Kind of the Collins, right? It's like if you don't have someone that is an, an advocate for it and says, hey, we're going to put the money in it and we're going to raise the funds, whatever, then it just gets well, knocked over. Well, you know, I, I look at all the th- – there's only 13 old theaters left in the state of Arkansas. Wow. And I look at all the ones – even the one in Conway where we used to go when I was in college, you know, they tore it down, the one at Walnut Ridge. Now, Blyville still has theirs. And they've got a nice one over there, and Jonesboro's got one. It's 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 pretty nice, uh, and they've done a lot of work on it in the last several years. And uh, but uh, it just we're trying to we're trying to make the Collins have something going all the time. You know, we had some comedians come in this last week. I never heard of them, but evidently. People around. We had 500 people there. Oh, wow. I didn't see, but two people I knew that night. So they came from everywhere. And there was a younger crowd, 25 to 40, you know. And they just, you know, it was just, uh, and we've been trying to, you know, the bluegrass, the big bluegrass festival we started last year. You know, we have bluegrass 
one night of the month through mm-hmm. KASU in Jonesboro. But uh, we had people from 13 states last year to come to that thing. Wow. And That's uh, incredible. they filled the motels, the, the campers, all the camping sites. And uh, it was just amazing. And they all seemed to really enjoy, you know, it's right in the middle of July and it was hot. And, uh, but uh, it was, uh, we're just trying to, we just need to aim at trying to get things that people don't run off to Jonesboro, Memphis for. I know we can't sure. ever be in those big towns, but we can do enough yeah. to, you know, we, we do well in sports because we have an awful lot of tournaments in this town. Mm-hmm. And the two schools and everything, you know, people can go entertain. But, boy, when COVID hit, it, uh, it knocked everything. And we're just now really getting our crowds back. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Paragold is getting there. You know, we had uh, the Watts on a family that wasn't from here. He was just from Jonesboro. She's from Rector, and they moved here for uh, work. And they said they, just, they were just moving here for work and kind of be close to family. Um, but once they were here, they made the statement on the podcast, like, we don't really have to leave Paragold. You know, we really thought we would. We had to go to Jonesboro for this, Memphis for that, whatever. And 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 uh, I said, yeah, we don't have to leave. And so I think I'm thankful for men like you who have put in the hard work behind the scenes, edging the Collins Theater. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, things like that have made a difference, and it has allowed us to create a culture here in a city where people can stick around, and not just stick around, but be <clears throat> proud of it. Well, <clears throat> you know. We've, we've received a lot of contributions, people, and that's kept the theater going. I remember during the pandemic, we did a live stream show of the oldest show just to help raise some money. And I was amazed how many states this went in and how many people watched that show. I, I couldn't believe the hits, the number of thousands. I was 20, 30, 40,000 people. Wow. And, uh, you know, we asked for contributions, and we raised $12,000. Wow. And that kept us going roughly, you know, through the time of, uh, of the pandemic. It's incredible. And uh, But uh, people have been real good to, to help us. I know when we got new curtains in one time, a lady in Texas made us a prize. She had a friend here and made us a prize on the curtains. I said, we can't pass that up, so... I just sent a letter out and asked people for money. I got I got enough money to pay for the car, you know. And so people have been so generous, and we're we're trying to. One thing we're working on is trying to bring back old movies on a like mm-hmm. on a Thursday night, you know, go back and play some of the old movies, Jaws, and some of those pictures, <laughs> you know, way mm-hmm. back then, and uh, uh, and we think. People, you know, discharge yeah. discharge a few bucks. And That's they, exciting. Yeah, I'd want to be a part of that. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, but we we've tried to we've it's just a lot of things we're trying to do, and with all the technology now and uh, that we're trying to use to get out the word when we have our shows. You know, I've got my oldest show coming up July the fifteenth and sixteenth, and uh, for the pandemic, we were we were pulling in about a thousand people in those two nights for those shows. And that and that show really gives us a boost for the money. But I pay everybody pretty good. Mm. And But the, the show we're, in July, we're starting our 15th year. That's We've been together for 15 years, all the same singers, which is very unusual. Wow. few changes in the band because some of them moved off, mm-hmm. you know, because they were in high school or mm-hmm. college. 
Well, all these in the band were for Richie's band, and, and a few from Green County Tech, and they were. Well, Chandler was, and and uh, Savannah Morris were 15 when they started in it, and Sam Morris, and now Sam, uh, Savannah just got married, and Chandler just had, she's got two children now. So I mean, it's it, you know, but they're still singing and want to do the show. And when Craig and Donna Morris moved off, I said, "You can't. You got to do this show." And so they're they continue to come in and do the show. That's know? awesome. That's pretty special to have the whole group like that. Yeah, and it's it's kind of like a family, but everybody has fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've never seen anybody get mad at anybody or anything. And usually in, in music business or, or arts and stuff, there's a lot of drama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but uh, I don't know. I just there's a lot of people out that I noticed when I got to know a lot of plant managers when I was doing the community fund, but I noticed a lot of these guys, when they did retire, they stayed here. They didn't move off. Mm. Yeah. So Peregrine's got something going if we can just keep it up. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Well, I'm very thankful for the, the foundation that you've helped to lay for our generation, and I hope that we can carry the baton from here. Oh, yeah. By time. the way, we just got word yesterday, and I had to write it down before I forgot it. Uh, the Arkansas Country uh, Music Awards awarded the Collins Theater the venue of the year. Wow. In wow. Hot Springs died That's yesterday. And pretty incredible. Yeah. There we go. We've been congratulations. In, we, we, we've been in the hunt, but we've we made it finally this year. That's excellent. Wow. Yeah. Well congrats. That's awesome. Yeah. Your uh y'all's hard work is paying off. So. Yeah. The fruits of your labor. Well, I'd love to end here as we do with our uh, guest every single week, and that's with a, a, a just a, a series of rapid-fire questions. And so if you're ready, I've got six for you. You ready? I'll try. <laughs> All right. What is either the last show that you watched or book that you read? Well, I'm not a very book big book reader. I read one by one of the coaches who used to be at Alabama, and I, I can't remember the name of it or the coach. The last movie, I, the, the last movie, oh, man, I'm wanting to go to the movie and not see Maverick. I've heard that. <laughs> oh, they said it's, did go it's see good. That. It is Let's good. go watch that together. Well, I'll go back and watch it. Let's do it. Well, oh, you've seen it? Yeah, we watched it. That's cha- the first time I've been to the theater. Yeah, Chandler, Chandler and them went the other day, and we babysit, and they said they'd go again. Mm, it's incredible. I, you know, they, I, got in, they got in two of the theaters out here. I didn't think there was a chance that it would be incredible. as it's, good as the first one. They said it's just blowing box office away. That's what I've heard. Rotten Tomatoes is giving mm-hmm. it a great score. I think that 100. I think it was only like the second or third movie ever. Wow. I, I've heard that. But I haven't checked. I haven't incredible. Checked I, I don't. I, I you know, I, I watch so many of these old movies on TV. I like to go and watch those black and white movies You're and right everything. On. But I, I guess, what did we go to here? It's been. We usually go sometime around Christmas, but uh, I can't even remember the last movie I went. Uh, okay. Well, but hey, that tells me a little bit about you, knowing you want to go see. It's Maverick. usually. It's usually. You know, I, I watched The Blind Side the other day. That's about oh, the 10th time. That's, that's about the 10th time I watched it. It's a good one. It's a great story. like that, yeah. Excellent story. All right, what is your either favorite band or favorite song? Or if you don't know that, favorite genre, if you want to get really easy. Favorite what? Genre, if you really want to get easy and broaden it out. But I'd rather hear what's your favorite band or maybe favorite song. Oh, me. 
Uh, if I picked any songs, it would have to be in the 50s, 60s, and 70s because that's all we do oh, the whole show. But uh, 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 Richie does uh, Neil Diamond's uh, okay. Caroline. Yeah. You know, that's the audience really gets into that. Oh, sure, yeah. man. It's got a great intro. Yeah, and Al Green's song, Let's Stay Together. Mm. That's, that's one of my favorites. I'm going to write that down. I'm about to be on a trip, so I need to make a playlist. There you go. What was the Al Green song? Let's stay together. Let's stay together. Okay. All right. Excellent. Uh, what's your favorite meal? Oh man, my wife's such a good cook. I can't. She, she, she. Uh, well, she makes what we call a glorious mess. It's chips, it's meat, and you just pile everything on it. <laughs> and I guess that's one of my favorite. She cooks. She cooks. Just about every night, always has. And she, the kids come over when they were both teaching. They come over every night. Would they could, really? Yeah. Now we do it two nights a week. That's cool. That'd be a dream for you, wouldn't it? <laughs> That's cool. I did <laughs> like that. Would you? Well, she mm-hmm. loves to cook. That's right. Yeah. That's good. Um, what's on your nightstand right now? Nightstand is just a a, a clock and. Uh, uh, a flashlight, because when I go to bed, I have flashlights so I can get change channels when I want to, <laughs> in my case, if they don't light up. <laughs> That's great. Two more questions and we'll be done. Uh, give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life right now that brings you great joy. Oh, I guess, and I, I would say my great grandkids uh, would, I mean, they're not that old yet, but mm. when my granddaughters were playing basketball, uh, that 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 just really took me, made it proud, you know, and I just would love to go to the games, even though it was a nervous wreck, but, you know, <laughs> but uh, just watching my grandkids. Mm. Awesome. Uh, yeah. It's good. Last question. What is one thing that you're deeply grateful for today? Well, I'm grateful that I'm God's blessed me with a pretty good life, a great family, a great wife. I was so fortunate to meet her in college and uh, got uh, great, I got great son-in-laws and uh, just great children. Mm. And grandchildren. I don't know. I just I, I feel God's blessed me in so many ways there, mm. and uh, it. Uh, I just I don't know. It's just it's just just knowing that they've been raised right and they're, they're real faithful in their church and stuff like that. that that's that's worth it all to me. Absolutely. Well, that's a great place to end. Thank you again, Joe, for all of your hard work, for your dedication, for your commitment. Thanks for making time to be here. Really enjoyed uh, getting to spend the time with you. Well, I appreciate it. I've enjoyed it. Brought back a lot of memories. (laughs) Excellent. Well, hey, if you're still listening to this, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, We do what we do because of you. And so if you can, if you've already done so, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. That just helps people find us and learn more about the uh, incredible people living here in Paragould. Remember that we also have a social media account. So we're primarily on Facebook and Instagram. So go there. 
give us a like or follow or whatever it is. Um, but you can learn more about us and just all the different episodes that we've had. Really, I guess about a year and a half now yeah. worth of episodes. And so our plan is to continue to release those. And um, we hope that you continue to tune in. So until next time.